What's good, everybody? We are back again for another edition of Champagne Room Hoops podcast, brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. As part of the Beyond the Big Ten podcast network, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Also on YouTube at Beyond the Big Ten. Also make sure to follow along on all social media, Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle Beyond Big Ten. Again, I am former Illini point guard Sam Maniscalco. Again, joined by Illini legends Brandon Paul and Bill Cole. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, a little quick turnaround here for us, right? Um, so we're just going to jump right into it, and we're going to talk about the Iowa game yesterday. One of the better college basketball games that I've watched in the last few years um, from start to finish. I thought um, the pace was great. I thought, you know, I think there were nine lead changes or something. Um, Iowa was high octane like we talked about in the last pod. Um, Obviously a a tough loss um, for Illinois and a a tough place to win. Um, But I did see some good things from the Illini, but also some things late. that could be cleaned up a little bit. Um, Bill, we'll go with you first. What did you see yesterday watching that game? Yeah, that was a, a Big Ten heavyweight fight. I thought, um, you know, t- like you said, tough to be like real upset about that as like an Illini fan or alumni. I think um, I think it was a proud performance. I, I thought Iowa, you know, really took advantage of their home court. They hit a bunch of really tough shots. Um, I thought our, our defense struggled. You know, a lot of what I touched on last podcast was struggling against the top half of the Big Ten. Um, it just seemed like I wanted I wanted to change something. It, uh, Perkins was really, really good the whole game. And it just – I think he had his career high. And it's just another one of those games where we switched up nothing except straight man-to-man from start to finish. And I, I was just begging for um, – begging for – to throw something at him just to make him think a little bit, right? There's nothing – there's nothing worse as a basketball player than having to think what the defense is throwing at you. And I, I, I thought, you know, on the, the counter side of that, I thought McCaffrey's game plan was great. They, they did a little matchup zone. Um, they, they did some full court man, some full court uh, press zone. I thought he, he really encapsulated what I like to see a little bit more out of the, out of the Illini. They're so athletic. We've touched on that a bunch. I, I I just thought we they were a little too comfortable at their home court, and that game could have gone either way, obviously. We had some open looks down the stretch. We just didn't hit. I thought um, I actually thought Epps got fouled on that last three that he took to, uh, mm-hmm. to tie the game. So, you know, not too down about that. But, again, the, um, the pattern here for me is still being worried about our record against the, the top half of the Big Ten and how that translates to, to what this season actually transpires to. Um, so that that now drops us since Michigan State dropped out. Um, just kind of updating my own little list here. We're now zero and three against uh, the tops, the top half. So um, I'm, we're going to get in a little later in the show about you know bracket predictions and, and what this means for the NCAA. But all in all, I think you know I think we're the better team. I just think Iowa on their home court, you know, it was just their night. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was a good game all around. Uh, anyone's game at the end, and the, fo- the fact that they fought to the end on the road like this, it's hard to be disappointed in that type of loss. You know, if you do lose, that's the type of kind of way you want to go out. Uh, gave yourself a chance to win at the end with a couple possessions, um, a couple questionable calls like you mentioned. And, uh, you know, they, they put themselves in a good spot, but, you know, they, they did foul a lot. They got they you know, like you said uh, the kid had about 15 free throws he hit all of them except for his last one 
you know, if we start shooting free throws like that, we're going to be in a pretty good position ourselves. <laughs> but if we do that, if we limit our turnovers, you know, I think we're um, – what are we, last in the Big Ten in turnovers? Or we're first yeah. first in the Big Ten in turnovers? And, yeah, most turnovers. You no, know, so that's got to change. That's got to change, especially against better half teams like this. Uh, you can get away with it against uh, – you know, the Minnesotas and the Rutgers and the Nebraskas, but teams like this, they're going to come down to punish you, especially in transition. Um, you know, they got to limit their turnovers if they want to give themselves a chance uh, moving forward in the in the Big Ten. Yeah, Bill, I agree with your point about throwing something different at, um, what's his name, Tony mm-hmm. Perkins. I mean, how many times in the second half did they just run a, a low, not even a high ball screen, right at the, at the three-point line he had – no resistance, and he was at the free throw line basically with his choice of whether to shoot, pass, or make a play. So um, just throwing a double at him, getting the ball out of his hands a few possessions in a row, uh, change it up. And, and Underwood did mention in this presser, it kind of this game reminded him a little bit of, of the Northwestern game as far as how undisciplined they were defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I agree with that. I mean, they played hard, but they had some silly fouls, um, especially – early in the second half you put Iowa a team like that that scores 80 damn near 85 points a game um you're giving them basically two free points every time you um you follow them and most of the fouls weren't aggressive fouls right they were 20 30 40 even sometimes on on the other side of half court from the basket so you're giving away free points there um I I think I think Iowa is and I hate to say this but the way they play and the way um they're coached is kind of what we want to be. And, and the reason I say that is because I don't think Iowa took a bad shot. Right. Mm-hmm. Not one of them yesterday. Um, and you win that way. A lot of I mean, nobody right. got out of their, out of their elements. Nobody was forcing anything. Everything came within the flow of the offense. They knew who they wanted to get the ball, where they wanted to get the ball. Their three point shooters, you know, locked and loaded. They were catching and shooting. They weren't going put the ball on the ground. Um, so I, after the game, that's what I thought. I'm like, if we can get to a point as a team with that kind of basketball IQ, and I know it's been a consistent theme on this on this podcast the last few weeks, but if we can get to a, a point where our shot selection mirrors something like Iowa's with our talent man-to-man against other teams, mm-hmm. then I think that's how this team can take off. Yeah, that's interesting you said that because I was thinking on that on the way here. I thought... I, and I touched on it again last podcast, but I thought um, McCaffrey was excellent for Iowa. I think he's he's as good of a coach as there is in the Big Ten. He kind of reminds me a little bit about of Bo Ryan. He's more a lot more animated. I know Illini fans hate him, just you know the rivalry and, and how crazy he can get with calls and stuff. But I thought he aced that game yesterday, um, and that's no knock against uh, Underwood. Underwood's obviously elite as well. But like you said, said Sam, I think our talent level was higher. And Iowa couldn't afford to put a foot wrong, and they really didn't. And, and that's a that no. that's a really uh, nice gym to shoot in. It's it's you know for fans that's never been there, it's in a bowl, right? So you kind of walk in street level and you walk down to the court. And I think you usually see some pretty high scoring games, uh, Iowa versus Indiana. Mm-hmm. Matt Meyer got off to a hot start, but was kind of in foul trouble all night. I would have liked. Um, there was a point there where he was just started so hot, and then he got a second foul and he sat him. I would have liked to see. I'm, I'm, I'm very much in the. He's so against yeah. that Underwood. He's so against. I know. I'm very much in the camp. It's got to be situational. Yes. Let, let an older player like that uh, just look at him. Say you've got to be smart and almost like, almost just mm-hmm. let him outscore. Like you know, he's he, he's not if yeah, he's not going to follow, he's still got a chance to outscore. 
whoever he's guarding. So I don't know. I thought he sat a little bit too much for my liking in the first half. And then, you know, maybe my final takeaway was we were super dumb at the end of the first half. Uh, we took like two shots in a row where we could have had a shot to have the last um, the last shot of the half. And even mm-hmm. Iowa took a bad one. Um, yeah. And McCaffrey yelled at him because they gave it back. And we took yes. another bad one and then they hit a three to end the half. So it was just like there was points yeah. in the game. Our largest lead was eight. You know, we're a very explosive team. We go on runs. Uh, I just don't think we're the, you know, I, I'm sure they're all smart kids in life. I just don't think we played very smart or at least smart enough to steal a tough road game like that. Yeah, Sammy, you said it like Iowa didn't really take a bad shot. You know, you don't really see guys on their roster hunting shots. And it's okay for us, for guys, for like Matt Meyer to hunt his shots. And, you know, once once every while uh, Terrence Shannon to do it, I'd still like to see him kind of attack more and, and not settle for the three. But, you know, we we still find ourselves taking shots that were questionable, taking shots that kind of put us on our heels and – uh, you know, McCaffrey, like you guys said, he's he's been there 13 years. You know, I'm, I feel old now because I played against someone. I was at <laughs> Illinois, so uh, he he had them ready, and he and he coached them very well. And at the end of the game, uh, I mean, Matt Meyer had a great game. You know, like you said, he got into foul trouble. He had to sit a little bit, and 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 I think you know Underwood will start to kind of give him a little bit more trust and confidence that he can go out there and play with those fouls and and be smart enough not to get himself in more trouble. Um, but at the end of the game, we have a couple of possessions. I need Matt to shoot the ball. You know, I need them to find him. You know, uh, you know, we we got an okay look a couple of times. You know, um, uh, Coleman Hawkins had a corner three mm-hmm. to kind of get us right back in there. But at the end of the day, Matt Meyer had the hot hand. He's been the hot shooter the last several games. He's known to take big shots. He's known to be in that position. I feel like we got to make sure we, we put ourselves in a position to win and, and try to get him a shot at the end of the game. Yeah, Brandon, that's a good point, and that leads right into the next point I was going to make. And um, the media had asked Underwood this after, you know, that last possession. You know, it was always the, do you call a timeout? Do you mm-hmm. not call a timeout? Do you let the guys play? Um, and I think it's situational, and he kind of said that. You know, like, you never really want to go against if, – if you call a timeout, the advantage – the disadvantage for Illinois is that you, you get to go play – you have to go play against a set defense, right? Mm-hmm. Iowa has a chance to either throw a zone at you, change their defense, or kind of just – or even make some substitutions and and make some adjustments um, versus, you know, kind of going against a broken defense. Um, and, and I don't think they got a bad look. Um, Bill, you mentioned you, you thought he got fouled at the end of the game. But um, to Brandon's point – on the road like that, you got to have something in your back pocket where you can get Matt Meyer or who you want to get a shot. You got to have something that you can go to. So I'm not against Underwood not calling on timeout there, and he said that because, um, because like like you said, it's so in the moment and it's so situational. But I just on the road like that, you, you got to get the ball. You got to get the ball to the guy that you want to have it and and take that shot. So I personally thought. I was waiting for him to call timeout. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the guys on the floor got to know that too. The guys got to read the situation. They got to know time score momentum, and they got to find who they want to take their last shot, even if it takes a little bit more patience and a little bit more time off the clock. But that's a tougher situation as a player, and you know that. Yeah, you know, especially I mean, with the younger guys. On the road, right. clock's going down. Like that, yeah. That's up to the coach mm-hmm. to make that call, and most of them usually do. I mean, they, they decide whether to make that call or not, right. but I thought he should have called timeout. Yeah, and when I talked about you know my keys to the game last week were – you know, stealing easy buckets and running on the break. And we only had two fast break points. I think that was the difference. I know, I know Terrence Shannon kind of down the stretch, he 
had the Euro step that he, I think he makes that nine times out of 10. Um, but we still, we, for my liking, we do not get out and push it enough, even just to, even just to fake it. And we, we start our, we start our offense too high out. Um, and then, and then my, my last thing that we don't do well enough for, for my liking, which nobody cares about, but Dane danger doesn't touch the ball enough in good spots. Oh, great point. And and so even if it's just a pass out of it to, to the shooters, but he, you know, he's so efficient. And I thought he was really good again against Iowa. He's been, honestly, he's been good about almost every Big Ten game we've played, maybe one or two where he had an off night. Um, mm-hmm. And I just don't think, I don't think they use him enough to, if you can get him a couple baskets in a row, then you put you put the pressure on the defense to either make a choice, right? You're either going to have to keep keep letting him work and stick to the shooters, or you're going to have to throw a double at him yeah. and someone's going to be open. And I just, those, those two things, I think, if we're going to be really successful at the end of the year, Stealing easy buckets and Dane Danger needs to become a, a more of a staple than he is right now. Yeah, a lot of his production in the last game against Iowa was basically off of offensive rebounds right. or like kind of like last second stuff. And you just said it; he's he's so efficient down low. You can't. He, if I'm him, I'm a bit a little probably a little bit frustrated, you know, because there's times where he's posted up, he's got he's got a seal going, and they're kind of passing around the wing. No, give him the ball. He's 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 more than a willing passer. Right. So you know that it's not like the ball's gonna stick, you know. So definitely got to use him more. You know, he's he's such a problem down there. We haven't seen one person, you know, give him that much trouble down low as far as guarding him. Um, so you know, we definitely got to use him more and and try to go inside out. Yeah, it's almost like they're they're wasting his skill set in a sense. Like you guys both said, I mean, he's he's can do a lot of different things down there, and he demands so much attention. Um, but fourteen turnovers, right? Mm. Um, you got to cut that in half on the road. You might be able to get away with that once in a while at home, but if you if you turn the ball over fourteen times against a, a, an offense like that on the road, um, the fact that they gave themselves a chance to win with a few minutes to go, mm-hmm. um, I think speaks away. volumes. But it's going to be tough to win those games if you're turning the ball over fourteen times. Uh, fourteen turnovers and only two points in transition. That's that's tough, like you said, on the road. Yeah, and I think Coleman Hawkins. He's not the most talented player on the team or the best scorer on the team, but he's probably our most important scorer. Right? He's like our barometer if we're going to win or not. And I thought he played. I thought he had a high. Oh, motor. I was just going to say I thought he played really, really tough. I just don't think he's. I would like to see him be a little more selfish when he gets the balls and ball in certain positions. Um, and when his shots going in, we're almost unbeatable. But he had that he had that open one in the corner, and he for me very very tough game. Uh, but I, I think I just we just need more out of him um, on offense. I think. Yeah, I think he can pass too. I think it's a very under. I mean, he had a triple double earlier this year, but um, I mean, just a very underrated part of his game is his passing, his versatility, right? So, um, and he seems to be be better in space. So, like, think about getting him a ball, like. Like how, how the Warriors do it, and I don't mean to compare him to the Warriors, but like how Draymond Green gets the ball at the free throw line, mm-hmm. basically on the mm-hmm. move, and where he can kind of just instinctively pick people, you know, apart. pick and choose his spots and stuff. Yeah. Now we don't have the shooters the Warriors have, but I'm just saying, like he, he's one of those instinctual players. I feel like the less he has to think and make a decision, the more time he has, the worse mm-hmm. it ends up turning right. out. I think he plays a lot on instincts, mm-hmm. um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in more you know, positions where he's kind of on the move, you know, a three on two or something like that on the backside where, where he can make um, quicker decisions where he doesn't have to think about it so much because yeah. he's talented. I mean, I think he's arguably, I think he's the, the, the best pro prospect on our team. 
And I say that because I think his game, because he's 6'11", he's athletic, he's got a beautiful jump shot like we've talked about, right? His release is great. Now, he's only shooting it at a 30% clip, but um, he just screams league to me because of his athleticism and the fact that he can potentially shoot from 25 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got great hands and stuff like that. So I just feel like, like you said, Bill, they can, they can use him and put him in uh, some better spots, and I think it could bode well for the rest of the guys. Yeah. Um, I want to say Jaden Epps and Ty Rogers, they impressed again. You know, they came out, they yep. played. Great point. Uh, they played like upperclassmen. Jaden Epps is so calm, cool, and collected under pressure. Ty Rogers seems like he's learning. He's picking new things up every single game. And uh, another pro prospect in my mind, you know, he's, he's, his body is, is pro-ready. His motor is pro-ready. Uh, he wants to do it on both ends. You know, he's not just out there. Um, running around like a you know a crazy person, he's out there guarding multiple positions, going to the glass, making the right plays. A couple times he could he could have went up and scored, and making the right passes. Um, and and I feel like you know he's getting better every game, and he's going to be a, a key factor for us down the stretch. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that we you know we spoke a little bit about it last episode. Uh, Luke looked good; he dressed, but he didn't he didn't play. So I don't. I mean, that could be still injury related stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's it's getting down to decision making time for Coach Underwood, right? It's um, you know there, for for me, I look at the way the rotation is set, and is it is it smart to make this a redshirt year and and take that mm-hmm. take that extra year on the end of his uh, career where he's going to be a lot more yeah. mature and and you know probably a bigger producer, or is he good enough right now to start working his way in and get five minutes in a game like that against Iowa. I think this next game against Minnesota, where it's not as um, high stakes, where it's not as gritty, I think this this will be a real telling moment. If you guys are the coach, yes, how do you how do you like? Uh, are you leaving it up to the player? Like, you are you having a conversation with the player? Like, yo, do you want to make this your redshirt year, or do you kind of say like, hey, if you're ready to go, like we're gonna throw you in there? But you know, because it's a tough, that's a tough situation to be in. Well, I've been in it. So, um, talk about it's, it's situational, right? So I think in this specific case, um, I'm sure they've had conversations that have continued to have conversations. Like, like we said, we don't, we don't know exactly what's going on as far as recovery goes and, um, and when he's supposed to be on the floor. Um, but I went through it my senior year, uh, when I was at Bradley and we were six games that I had played and we knew that the 10th game I would lose that year. And I just wasn't getting better. I wasn't feeling well. Um, and we decided to make a decision. But it was up to me. I mean, they asked me if I wanted right. to. And, of course, I I was playing in pain, and I wanted a, a, a legitimate senior year. Um, so I decided to do that because I thought that was what's best for me and, and best for the team. So um, I can't speak specifically on it, but I'm sure that they've had conversations with him and his family right. about, um, you know, I'm sure there's a deadline or a game or something where it's becomes more of a conversation. Yeah. But at, um, I don't even know. Is, what year is he? A sophomore. He's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. Okay. But as RJ, Melind- I mean, RJ Melendez is two for his last 17 from three. Yeah. I was just going to say, he can take his. So if he's, right now. if he's, if he's really the best shooter on the team, and that's no, I mean, whatever I've been through that as well. And I was supposed to be a three point shooter. That's not like, that's not like get him <laughs> out the hell out of the lineup, but it, but it is yeah, like, if you do have what everyone's calling the best shooter on our team coming back from injury, like, like Sam said, some of those that 20, 25 minutes needs to slide over and we need to see what we've got. Because I think, you know, what is the cutoff? Ten games or something? You, when we were playing, I think it was uh, I think it was 
It was like 13 games. It was 10 games or something percent. Mine was yeah. 10. My senior my, was 10. I, we knew that. My freshman year, I played in like 13. And I remember they, you know, them coming to me after the season. Um, and, and I had that fracture in my shin. And they were like, you know, you barely played in too many. We could, we could technically get a, uh, we could apply for a waiver Medical. or something like that. Yeah. So I, I don't know what it is now. But I, I think that's a situation to keep an eye on. I think it's, it's worth... For me, it's worth rolling the dice and, and, and giving him about half of Melendez's minutes next game. If he's ready. I mean, I have no idea what his injury status is like. Right. But if he, like you said, if he can shoot 40% from three, um, that'll make a big difference. Let's talk a little bit. Let's transition to, to some scouting report stuff. Um, so... This is about the time, you know, early February, you know, about 60% of the way through the Big Ten, you start talking about some bracketology stuff, right? You start thinking about the tournament. Um, and this is also the time where you're gearing up for, you know, Big Ten tournament and who, who's going to be the champ. I mean, it produced two games ahead. They're 11-2. and two. It looks like if they don't have any more um, hiccups that, that they're going to win the, the Big Ten regular season. But, you know, we've, we've talked about this before. And I know it's hard for, I mean, you want to win the Big Ten every year, right? Um, it's not realistic, but um, that's probably what Illini fans are thinking right now. But I, I don't think that should even be a goal. And I don't mean that in a bad way for this team. Uh, we, we've talked about, they've done that, right? They've won a Big Ten regular season last year. Underwood's won a Big Ten tournament. They just haven't been out of the first weekend in the NCAA tournament, yeah. right? So, so that's the goal. That's the focus. So who cares who wins the Big Ten regular season? And I'm just going to go out and say it. Who, who gives a shit? Right. Um, where are we at in bracketology? How are we playing in March leading up to the Big Ten tournament? What's our rotation like? What's our health like? That kind of stuff matters. And right now, depending on what bracket you look at, we're anywhere from a five to seven seed. Um, so, so I think the second half of this Big Ten season is more about us than it is chasing any specific team. Mm-hmm. It's more about are we getting Luke Goody involved? Are we shortening our rotation more? Are we, you know, what things are we doing as a team to prepare ourselves for those three weeks in March leading into April? Yeah. And every seed. So every seed that you can get yourself lower is so important. I mean, I've been a victim of the 12, five upset and, and the parody in college basketball is even better these days. Those 12 yeah. through 16 teams used to be super rare that they won a game, but now they're, you know, they're, they're loaded. There's the coaching so much better. The, the training that athletes go through is so much better. There, there's a lot more parity in college basketball. So, Sam, I'm, I'm with you, man. We almost like obviously you want to win as many games as possible, but everything we do from this point forward is gearing up for for March. Um, that I mean, Sweet 16 or bust at this point. Um, but yeah, I think you know how how do you do that? I think you do have to throw some wrinkles in there, right? I, I would love to see some some new sets we haven't seen. Um, this is the point in the mm-hmm. in the season where pe- you, you've been scouted so well within the Big Ten that you know some of the other teams' players tell you where to go. Yeah, where to go? It, especially yeah. on, on you know we don't run a lot of like full plays. We run more like openings, which I like. Um, but right, right. I, I would like to see some wrinkles and like maybe get Danger a few quick hitters in the post. And and then I I'm still going to harp on it because I believe it's super important. Um, I, we need to switch up some defenses. Um, Full court man to man, Winston Sears in the game, uh, when Ty Rogers is in the game, and just just change the tempo and see if there's things out there that can get you out of a jam. When you when you run into a Trace Jackson Davis that you can't stop, when you run into a Tony Perkins mm-hmm. that's taking over the game, right? So that's my thing. I would like to see those two things. I think that would make us uh, that would give us a little out card in March. 
Bill, you just read my mind. I was just going to say, like, I would like to see some specific offensive sets. Like, they're good enough to get what they want to do, what they want to get done now with their offense and the way they're running it. Matt Meyer, he's talented enough to get his shots off, but let's put in some staggers for him. Let's put in uh, some cross screens for Dane, some cross screen down screen action, put Matt Meyer in there, put Danger in there, and just kind of pick teams apart. You're going to have to get to the point where Okay, we need a bucket. What are we gonna do? They scouted this. They've scouted our offense. They know what we're gonna do. Let's throw some some stuff in there that they haven't seen before. And maybe now's the time we could start working on those like here and there, you know. And we gotta build habits right now that that break us from uh, turning the ball over so much. And a lot of the turnovers we had last game were, were unforced. Mm-hmm. They were just bad right. spacing, non aggressive. Yeah, just guys kind of being lazy with the ball and and just kind of held. It's just. You know, we got to break those habits now, and we got to lock in on the free throw line. We got to lock in on the free throw line. Those those are going to be key down the stretch. So I want to see that. I want to see some some tweaks in the offense where we're getting some specific, okay, this is what we want. This is what we're going to get. If we don't get it the first time around, we're going to keep running until we get it again, you know. So it's like I'm not going to compare the offense to the Warriors like you before, Sammy, but, you know, Steph Curry comes off one pin down, he throws it right back if he doesn't have a shot, and he's still in motion. Stuff like that where we right. just – it's just continuous, continuous offense, and that's going to break teams down because teams are not going to want to guard that. Yeah, there is a, there's definitely still a little bit of a nonchalantness to this team in specific you know periods throughout a game, whether it's the start, like Bill, you mentioned, sometimes we come out flat, whether it's mid-game, whether it's first half, second half, whatever, but there is a little bit of carelessness um, and nonchalantness with the ball and, and with body language. Um, I want to ask you guys this. Uh, do you think your opinion of the league this year? Do you think that the league's down, or everybody's just beating up on each other? Uh, I'm kind of. I think right now it's predicted to be like eight teams, eight or nine teams yeah, in. It's yeah. kind of a cop out answer, but I'm a little bit in between. I think we're, I think we're probably the second best league in the country, um, and I think our teams are really individually talented. But I think with like the new transfer rules, it's tough. Again, I. I still don't really think we're all the way meshed. Like those turnovers and stuff, like you said, they're unforced mm-hmm. because we just haven't played together for a long time. When that, I think back to like, you know, my even like my my senior class and the juniors and the sophomores and Brandon and DJ. Like we just we just like had played together for so long, and we. I mean, I'm not saying like that we were gangbusters and you know the number one seed or anything, but I just think there's a lot of feeling out still going on and it's tough for me to tell if mm-hmm. uh that's why i keep bringing up the the stats against the top half of the league I, you know I, I keep bringing that up and i i was calling our defense elite the last couple uh games but i just looked against those top half of the league's teams and we're almost we're almost giving up 80 points a game yeah, and, and so lot. that's for me that's why i'm calling for a little bit of a switch up i think um, I would say it's kind of in the middle. I think we're an above average league and we're an above average team, but an above average team is, you know, that could be anywhere from a 10 seed to a seven seed, you know? So if we fall in there, we're going to have some really tough games in the opening round of the tournament. I feel like yeah. it's so matchup based too, right? Yeah, for sure. Make a good point. We do have a still a young core that is handling the ball and, and kind of making a lot of decisions. And, and some guys that came in that are new, so, uh, you know, I think they still got a little bit more to figure out. But, I mean, it, it is a lot of Big Ten teams beating up on each other. It is. And, and we're so used to seeing the Big Ten at the top of the level of all college basketball. Uh, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt this year. Yeah, and I think the Big Ten home, uh, the, the, 
the home crowds and the home court advantages in the Big Ten are so strong, right? So that's that's a little bit why I think we struggle uh, in the postseason. It's, you know, you get all these really good teams that have amazing home records. Sometimes they, you know, they only drop one or two at home the whole season. And then you get to a neutral floor environment in a big game and, you know, you don't get those calls. It's just like, you know, Jaden Epps' fingertips getting hit on that last shot. If that's in Champaign or if that's on a neutral floor against Illinois, I think we get that call. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of that as well, where these Big Ten teams, they have amazing, the really good ones have amazing home records. And it, it, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate to, to March when you're playing in Tulsa or Portland, like we, you know, like my two tournament games were in. They are just naturally more comfortable right. at home, right? Comfortable environment, especially with the, with the newer team. Um, so let's transition to what's been our favorite segment in the last few pods, uh, Word on Campus. So I'll just open it up. Um, Speaking we're we're going to talk about that orange crush uh, situation. Um, you guys probably know a little bit more about it than me, but basically what happened, um, if I missed something, let me know, is that the orange crush uh, tried to get a bunch of group tickets like they do every year to go to a road game. And um, they said they were a ch- boys and girls club. Is that what it was? Yeah. They misrepresented themselves um, and Iowa found out. And that was that. Yeah. So I thought it made for some good gamesmanship on the Twitter and stuff. But you guys go ahead and, and talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the, every year, every year for the last whatever, 20 years, they've picked a road game. They've taken all the crush members, as many as they could get tickets for. And they walk in as the opposing team's fans. And then they rip off their shirts at the jump tip. And it's kind of like a ha-ha, we, we fooled you moment. And we have our own. Uh, student section at your home game and it's super embarrassing for you know I think my senior year was Minnesota and I could just you could you could see the fans when the crush does it it's like super deflating and embarrassing (laughs) that they kind of got caught out and that's why I was a little you know I love the orange crush with all my heart but I was a little disappointed when they came out and tried to like put the onus on Iowa basketball canceling the tickets and it didn't make sense to me because everyone knows this is like a this is like a punk (laughs) yeah this is like a punked uh, trickery, like I absolutely would want Illinois basketball to cancel Iowa's student section's 2,000 tickets if they found out about it. So I didn't really get the whole, uh, we're going to put the blame on how could you cancel our tickets. I get it from the standpoint where, you know, there's a lot of seniors in the crush that, you know, apparently, you know, they had charter buses rented and everything like that. Like it's a, it, there's some money sucked out of the equation. And I, I get that and I feel for those kids. But at the same time, like this is all this is student section shenanigans. To me, it got a little overblown. Like what happened to just laughing, laughing off kid kid yeah. stuff. Um, I know they probably should have picked another organization to uh, buy tickets under than the, the than so. the boys and girls club. I think you could have gone with <laughs> I think you could have gone with like Boy Scouts or something, and, and you know something less charitable. So that was my only takeaway. I think at the end of the day, you know, it's it's kids being kids and trying to make some funny situations happen and. Sometimes everyone makes mistakes. I think they made a mistake with the Boys and Girls Club. Not a big deal in my in my mind. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But it was like one of those situations where your girlfriend catches you lying yeah. and then you you get mad that she catches you lying and you defend yourself right. and you kind of dig yourself a deeper hole. Um, but I think they learn from it. You know, there's been much worse happening. You know, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but 
I think it was Utah or Utah State. They were chanting Russia to the kid, the Ukrainian kid that was playing on one of the teams. Like that's that's like something that you just don't do, right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's kind of like over the line and borderline racist if you really think about it. Like that's that's a kind of messed up thing to do. But you know, I think the Orange Trust learned from it, um, and you know, we 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 looked forward to those games, right? Where where we knew our our student section was there. They were wearing the other team's shirts. And right before tip off, they take the shirt off and they start chanting for us. Those were always exciting things, and we just didn't, we couldn't, we weren't able to get it done this time around. But you know, life goes on. Uh, I think they won't be making that mistake again. And uh, they were kind of made an example on Twitter. It was, it was all over Twitter. People freaking out. And like you said, Bill, it's, it's I don't think it was as big as his deals it needed to be. But definitely shouldn't have done it. Definitely right. shouldn't have done it. They talked about it a ton on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, I, they didn't wanna, Bill, I, I, I totally don't. agree with your. Uh, because when we scouted this Iowa game, we talked about, you know, you made a comment about how, you know, Iowa sees us as more of a rival than we see them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was so evident during the game. I mean, those those dudes, that bench, they, they were fired up. Like, that was, talking I don't want to say they're Super Bowl, but you could tell that, like, they saw us as a rival and we didn't, which mm-hmm. I don't think they had an outcome on the game, but those dudes were fired up for that game. So it was yeah, a problem. Yeah, for sure. And then you got you to gotta hand it to Iowa, putting the cherry on top by... Then they turned around and actually gave the 2,000 tickets to the Boys and Girls Club of Cedar Rapids or something. And the crowd, I mean, I didn't, obviously it was it was at commercial, but apparently the crowd just went bananas. You know, just, it was a little, it was a little cherry on top for them. I, I think I would give that one, I'd give Iowa one and, and Orange Crush zero, but there's there's a lot of other years and I'm, I'm, I hope they tr- keep the tradition going. I hope, I just hope they, they maybe uh, again pick the Boy Scouts or whatever another organization to represent, right? Yeah. So, so looking ahead a little bit, um, Minnesota's next, and uh, a hot Rutgers team uh, coming in. Um, so, Bill, to your point, I think you use Minnesota. Listen, go in the game, right? That's first and foremost. Um, but there's some little wrinkles, you know, you mentioned that this could be a, a game where you kind of try those things and might be able to get away with it. Um, so maybe maybe we look for some wrinkles, you know, maybe we'll see what, what's going on with Luke Goody. Um, I would like to see um, Tarrant Shannon Jr. be a little more efficient, um, you know, and maybe catch the ball a little closer to the basket. I mean, he's so big mm-hmm. and strong. They ran a couple plays for him in the Iowa game where he caught the ball, caught the ball at the elbow with a smaller defender on him and got a good look, either got to the free throw line or, or got a, a higher percentage shot. Um, I think sometimes he's, he's way too far out. I think early in the season, he was so good at getting downhill um, because he was in better positions to do that. Um, so that that's one thing that I would like to see. But I think Minnesota is a good game to try some different wrinkles. Yeah, and I'd like to get them out of there fast. I think we looked a little tired against Iowa. This is the point of the, the Big yeah. Ten season where fatigue really starts to to weigh on you as a team like it just seems like even on your days off they seem they seem like they go by in the blink of an eye and then you're right back in the gym or you're right back on the road to play tough games so especially with Rutgers coming in after Minnesota that's going to be a dogfight. um so again I, I know I'm sounding like a broken record but really fast start uh be up at halftime and, and you know get some of the freshman extra minutes get Luke Goody get that experiment out there if he's ready to go and then and then get focused for Rutgers. I think you just have to beat Minnesota, and you have to beat Rutgers. Um, another one of those two game sets. I'm looking forward to. 
Yeah, Bill, you said it. You got to set the tone early, and you got to continue that throughout the whole game. You can't give these teams confidence, especially going into the last five minutes of the game, because as we've seen, the Big Ten the last five minutes is anybody's game, especially if it's a between even five and ten points. You know, it could go either way. And um, again, like you said, if if this is if if they're going to use Luke Goody, these these are the games that you kind of toss him in there and see how he's how he's going to be physically, mentally. And if he's ready to go, you know, you might not want to put him in an Iowa game in that type of atmosphere. Um, but this is definitely the games where you want to put him in there, see how, how he can help the team and, and kind of build his confidence and um, and just kind of go from there. Yeah. And I think, you know, <clears throat> overriding theme from here on out, um, which we're going to talk about a lot on this pod is tournament, tournament, tournament. Right. Fuck the Big Ten regular season. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, what are we seven and five now? OK, if we go what 12 and 8 or 13 and 7 like whatever like just position yourself to be playing the best basketball you can be playing be the healthiest you can be have your rotation set um to be playing your best basketball in march and i I think that's what um we want to see what we need to see i think that's what illini fans should expect um and it's up to underwood to figure that out so a lot of different things going on um like you said bill grueling second half of the big 10 season this is where it gets kind of could get a little stale and whatnot. So um, I also think, to your point, health is important, right? I think Underwood's got to do what he's got to do with these guys as far as rest to be also energized and healthy um, in March. But um, right now, like we said, a five to seven seed. Um, be nice to stay in that 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 range and not slip to a you know, like you said, eight to ten seed because then you're getting into some crazy matchups and. Um, I saw Bardo the other day say that he thinks this team is a second weekend team, and I completely agree that they have the potential to be even further than that. But at minimum, they should be a second second weekend tournament team. Yep, I agree. We've desperately got to stay out of that eight nine matchup. I've I've been in that my senior year. We had a great team, uh, but the problem is you play you play with the, with the best team in the country the second game, right? So we played Kansas with the Morris mm-hmm. Twins. Uh, right after we, and they're, we, they're over there throwing lobs to each other off the backboard. Oh yeah, they were like on the cell. You know, that, that wasn't too fun. They were like on the cell phone in the middle of the game. They, they were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. They had a squad, man. They were so good. Uh, but yes, I mean, we beat the hell out of UNLV in the first game, and I thought we, you know, we really we did what yeah. we had all accomplished. I mean, obviously, we wanted more than that, but we really wanted for that group to win a tournament game. We'd been together for so long, um, and it, you know, just the problem is we we had miss misstepped enough during the conference season where we had put ourselves in that eight seed and that's that's the game right you play Kansas second round and you're out of there um so we need mm-hmm. we really need to I totally agree with you by the way screw the big 10 season but set yourself up for uh again like you said that that five six seven range I'll take it and I'll take our chances all right that's a wrap good seeing you both again um everybody thanks for joining uh champagne room hoops podcast Uh, We will see you guys next week. Go Illini. Thanks, everybody. See you. Later. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.